Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. to Roland Garros continues on the red clay in Spain as we welcome you to TC Live from Madrid. We are just 29 days away from the year's second major in Paris and here's what's coming up. On the big show, the top three ranked American men played their openers in Spain today. We'll show you which two of them are advancing to the third round. America's got talent indeed. Plus, agony and ecstasy on the teen scene. Coco Golf struggled against the local hero, and Mira Andrieva knocked off the 17th seed on her 16th birthday. We'll also revisit the great 90s rivalry featuring Steffi Graf and Monica Seles as we celebrate the WTA's 50th anniversary. Come on in. Great to have you here on TC Live from our studios in Santa Monica, California. Steve Weisman back in a Hall of Fame sandwich. I got my man Jim Courier on the left, and on the big screen, there is Andy Roddick. Last time the three of us were together, we were enjoying uh, Yellowtail and Miso Cod. That was pretty nice out. <laughs> Nobu and uh, Indian Wells, not too shabby, but not too bad to be here. But, Andy, what's up with KC? What are you rocking there? Uh, George Brown was my brother's favorite baseball player growing up. I got nothing more for you. But I always enjoy hanging out with you guys. Enjoyed a little more with little miso, I'll be honest. <laughs> yep, ain't no lie there. Always better with Nobu. Uh, by the way, our guy Andre Agassi, the only American man to ever win the Madrid Masters birthday today. Happy birthday, double A. Yes, indeed. Is he 25 again? He's 25 again. Great year. (laughs) Maybe 26 again. A couple other Americans looking to raise the trophy this year, starting with Taylor Fritz, coming off the semis in Munich last week, Andy. Also made the final four in Monte Carlo. He is looking good on the red dirt. Yeah, and right away you see something you didn't see three years ago. Chips the forehand return back in play, then plays the dropper. Has one of the biggest forehands in the game. Is implementing the drop shot. Doesn't always look pretty like a Carlos Alcaraz, but it has been effective so far this year on the clay. And he knows what to do on any surface when he gets two feet under him on that forehand side. Can pump it both ways. Mixing up the return position. Sometimes going back on the clay, which you don't see him ever do really on the hard court. But look at this. Using the wheels. Getting off on the first step there sliding in, playing a deft little uh, slice up the line for the pass. Uh, looked solid all day. Uh, you know, Monte Carlo was a great tournament and still putting in the paces, getting through matches on the clay. Eight aces won 83% of his points on first serve. Doubles his career win total in Madrid from one to two. How about Francis Tiafo liking the clay tones as well? Took the title in Houston, winning four matches in two days because of rain. He defeated... Tomas Martin Echeverry in the final for his first trophy in five years. And Big Foe entering Madrid at a career-high 11 in the world. Gets a rematch with Echeverry to start his tournament, Jim. Yeah, and Tiafo had lost his opening match in Barcelona to Rusevori. Came out firing. What a return. That was ridiculousness from Tiafo. And served out the set here, 6-3. They played two tie breaks in that final in Houston. They would go another tiebreak in the second set here. Echeverry has had a breakout season. He's become a name that we know now. He was hitting it big. 
And uh, Tiafo would have to struggle from behind to get this into the tiebreak. Echeverry served for the second set. 5-3, big foe, steps in, takes the break back. So into the breaker they go. Tiafo early up in that second set breaker. How about some wheels? He's got that. How about a little feel? Oh, kidding me. Off of the net, Francis. He wanted to take the bow, but he still had some work to do. Echeverry gave it everything, though. He is impressive, and so has Francis been on this surface. Remember, Francis from the East Coast spent a little bit of time on the green clay. That's doing him well on the red. And a little face time now with Prakash after the win. Chanda, uh, Ruben talked about in our commentary booth, she was, she was talking about your match today, was how poised you were, and especially in the big moments. How does an athlete work on that in his career? Yeah, I think, I think I've been around for a while, and I, and I know that um, at times, you know, I sometimes get too high or get too low, and uh, I'm, I'm starting to find my, you know, my, my, my happy spot, my sweet spot of, uh, of being poised. And, and I think that's just over time and time and experiences and being in those positions a lot. Um, and I think winning helps. Okay, like sure. you, you, can, you can help and you can learn from that, and even some losses, and you can learn from, learn from that. So, um, but yeah, winning at a high level and for, for, for these last eight, nine months, I've, I've definitely known my sweet spot where I need to be. That's oh, a sweet spot indeed for Big Foe. Could Tommy Paul make it three for three against Roman Safulin? Uh, TP also at a career high right now in the rankings, Andy. Yeah, I love the upward trajectory of, uh, of the Americans right now. TP knows how to move on the 37th. Uh, played really well in the juniors, uh, but we ain't in juniors anymore, Steve. Uh, that's a great pass. Inside out, back in. Uh, Tommy actually put the pressure on there, and it looked like he was just trying to figure out the way he wanted to play. You saw him coming way inside the court on some returns, which we'll see here in a little bit. Maybe four or five feet inside the baseline. Didn't give himself right here. You don't hit that return perfectly, it's not going to work. The guy was able to jam him all day. Uh, rough start for TP, but some time before Roland Garros won. So the Americans go two for three for the three top-ranked Americans on the men's side. Francis Tiafo, his 20th win today, Jim. Mm -hmm. Didn't reach that total till August. Yeah. Canada Masters last year. Taylor Fritz getting a win in Madrid, something he'd only done once before. Who was more impressive for you today? Uh, look, I mean, equally impressive, but I think a little bit more surprising to see a California kid starting to come into his own on the clay. We haven't often seen that. The players that grow up but almost exclusively on the hard courts out here on the West Coast Struggle a little bit with the movement. And that's something I touched on. Tiafo from the East Coast in Maryland. That's where you're from. There's, mm -hmm. a, there's a lot of green clay over there. And the movement is the same. Maybe it's not quite as smooth as a red clay, but movement matters. And Francis has the confidence in that. What I love seeing in, uh, in Taylor is his willingness to make adjustments. Well known for his, stubborn, his stubbornness. And, Andy, I think he's making some nice adjustments that we haven't seen from him on the dirt. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it was very obvious early on in, in, in Marty Carlo that he was adjusting his return position, has been pretty adamant uh, about staying on the baseline and taking big cuts, gave himself more space. For someone who didn't move that well on clay, and I'm talking about myself, I can relate. When you stand in and you don't stick it, that first step where you're trying to play defense gets a little slippery. Taylor's giving him more, uh, himself more time on that return and then really looking to pound that second ball. So doesn't like making adjustments, but is making the right ones. Is also mixing in that little drop shot. It isn't a natural shot for him. It doesn't always look great, but because he can hit the ball so big from the middle of the court on the forehand, it doesn't have to be that great, and it keeps his opponents honest. Yeah, Fritz said today he's making drastic changes on the clay, and, and the result's drastically different. Francis Tiafo also playing well. Look forward to their both 
next matches on the women's side. We've got a breakout star. How about a sweet 16 for Mira Andreva? Not only did she celebrate her 16th birthday today, she also got her 16th straight win at the pro level. Took out Magda Lynette. She has not dropped a set all tournament. And by the way, all three wins coming against top 50 players. If you like her game, Mira Andreeva, you'll be even more impressed hearing her talk to Prakash after this match, getting another straight set win. Take a listen to the new 16-year-old sensation. It's just the atmosphere here is so special. And when you see here and you take a lunch with all these uh, stars, let's say, you know, you see the Andy Murray's goal just, you know, <laughs> just on you and you see his face. And he's so beautiful in life. <laughs> I'm sorry. He's so amazing. And you know, this atmosphere between all these players just to be here, it's incredible. How about that personality? Uh, Andy Murray, just so beautiful in life. And, and, and Andy heard oh, that and said, imagine how good she's going to be when she gets her eyes fixed. How about that, Andy? <laughs> Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I, like most times, I'm on Murray's side. Uh, if only this Andreeva had something going for her off the on the court with the playing, off the court with the personality. I don't know. If only, if only she could get something good to happen before her uh, 16th birthday. I don't know. Just goes to show, beauty is truly in the eye of the beholder. Good for her. <laughs> <laughs> he is amazing, though. We, we love Andy Murray. All right, who is she going to play in the next round? It's the winner of Arena Sabalenka and Camilla Osorio Jim Sabalenka, the only former Madrid champ left in the women's draw. Yeah, and coming off that nice finals run in Stuttgart where Sviantec took her down, but coming in with confidence. And this would also give her a little bit of confidence here. Winning the first set, watch the end of this point, the way that Osorio pulls up. Not wearing a strapping at that point, she would need to see the trainer. She would still fight hard. She would have a little uh, strapping on the left leg, but Sabalenka would just keep blasting away and forcing her to change direction and eventually get the clean kill and straight sets here. Triple match point for Arena, just knocking the cover off the ball in the altitude. 25 winners for her today. Now 344 on the season. That's 59 more than her unforced errors. The only player with a differential of more than 25 this year. So good she's playing. Blockbuster third round affair between Coco Goff and Paula Bedosa. Andy, first meeting on clay, and this was straight home cooking for Bedosa. Yeah, unfortunately, this scoreline we're seeing right now is about as close as it got to Bedosa was feeding the middle and just daring Coco to take control of the points. Coco was not able to do that off the forehand side. And then Bedosa switched directions as well as I've seen her in the last year or so. And she says, look it, I have a head. That's awesome. Uh, but Coco all day just laying off that forehand. Bedosa right here, not scared to feed the middle and just run balls down and force Coco uh, to really make the play. And this was a great defensive shot. The crowd was into it, and she used the crowd to perfection. They're there to cheer you on, so you might as well engage, right? But uh, downhill snowball in the second set really started stepping up, painting lines, the inside-out forehand, moving it from corner to corner, right here, stepping in, taking it line. Uh, if you're doing that and you're Paula, Paula Bedosa and able to step inside the court and she's managing that kind of uh, behind the court here and then you see Coco lay off of another forehand. But deep in the court and then recognizing that ball to attack, she looked really good today. Bedosa won the last eight games of the match. Second top ten win in two weeks. Won 75% of her second serve returns. They absolutely love Paula Bedosa in her hometown of Madrid. About five, ten minutes from home. So he gets to sleep in her own bed, come out to the big court. A little, little smooch for the red clay there, and 
uh, for Coco Golf. Tough opponent as well. Bedosa's ranking has fallen. It's coming back up, though, as we take a look at the draw. Sakri up next for Bedosa. Mertens going to take on Meyer Sharif, who beat Caroline Garcia today. And then it's the sweet 16-year-old Andreva taking on Sabalenka. Bottom half of the draw. Looking forward to that. Round of 16 matches. Uh, Jim, I'm going to ask you, uh, were you more impressed with the youngster, Andreva, coming through with uh, another straight set win, her third in a row against a top 50 opponent, or more worried about Coco Golf? Uh, equally both, I would say. Uh, look, I, I mean, Andreva, you've got to really love what's happening. This is a girl who was devastated when she lost the Junior Australian Open final, she said this year. It took her some time to recover. But she hasn't lost a match since. She's gone on to win two minor league tournaments, two uh, ITF 60s at the women's level. Hasn't dropped 16 matches in a row. Going up against, you know, Sabalenka, nothing to lose. Let it rip. For Coco Golf, you, you worry about the fact that, that it's an open secret that the forehand is faltering right now, and you hope that she can fix it. You hope that she can find, you know, some stickum, some Band-Aids, something to keep it together for, for a little bit until she can make what looks like is a necessary adjustment to it. Andy, same question to you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's not much between. I'm so impressed, impressed with with Andreva and what she's been able to do. When you see people put together 10, 12 match winning streaks in the minor leagues, it's not super uh, surprising to see them translate that on on whatever level. Winning is contagious, and uh, she has confidence in bunches right now. And as Jim said, the playbook is the same right now uh, with Coco. People aren't scared to leave a ball hanging in the middle of the court. That's a nice insurance policy. And on faster service, they're able to to bully her to that forehand. So until we can actually fix that, solve for it, make herself a little bit more a little bit more comfortable on that side. She's going to have days where it gets a little lopsided. I love what Andreva said to Prakash. She said, yeah, yeah, I'm surprised to be in the round of 16 in Madrid. I'm not surprised by my level. Yeah. She, she's a confident mm. young player, and yeah. I, I encourage you to watch that entire interview on Tennis Channel social media. Spectacular job by Prakash with Andreva. Much more still to come here on TC Live. We've got Chanda's FanDuel pick of the day. She is back on her winning ways. And we've got a top 10 upset on the men's side. Plus, Dominic Team and Stefano Sipsipas go in the distance. It's all happening on TC Live. Stay with us. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Steve Weissman back in our Tennis Channel studio. Jim and Andy will rejoin us in a moment. But now we continue our journey through the history of the WTA. We are taking you back to the 90s in our next chapter of the WTA's 50th anniversary, a Tennis Channel celebration presented to you by Intuit QuickBooks. Hello, I'm Leslie Allen for Tennis Channel. Welcome to the fourth edition of 50 Years of the WTA. Let's admit that we were all spoiled by the Everett-Navitolova rivalry. So in the late 80s, as each of these titans wound down their careers, all of us in tennis wondered who would be the headliners for the WTA's next great rivalry. Sure enough, by 1989, Everett's last year, a great one surfaced instantly. Anytime you think of Steffi Graf, 
the first thing you think about is that forehand, which is one of the great forehands in the history of women's tennis. Steffi was really very athletic, fun to watch, and you always knew how explosive that forehand could and would be in any given match. Steffi, whoo, run in, run out. That's what we used to call her. <laughs> she'd beat you so quick, and then she'd run in and take a shower, and then she's like gone. But Steffi was always really cool with me, and she was such a, a strong competitor. Having won all four majors in 1988, Stephanie Graff ruled the world. But swiftly, there came a fierce rival in the form of Monica Seles. You couldn't touch Steffi. And then here comes Monica. She's four years younger. She's hitting two hands off both sides, so you can't see where the ball is going. You are chasing everything. Monica had a ferocity to her game. There was just no safe place to hit to because the backhand, she could hit a winner on any ball. The forehand, a winner on any ball. They both were just superstars. There was a tremendous amount of public interest in them. And I think the contrast between them was really kind of fun to play around with. Monica had that giggly, squeaky, high-pitched, you know, voice. And Steffi really was very kind of closed off and self-protective. So they met in all the major finals. They ended up tying at 3-3 in those finals. By far the best to me was Monica's win over Steffi at Roland Garros in 1992. That was maybe their most epic confrontation because it started off fairly routine with Monica winning the first 6-2. And Steffi battles back to win the second. And then they eventually went to 10-8 in the third for Monica. She's in it again. Monica Sellis at 18, riding her own chapter in tennis history. A year later, Monica Sellis is gone from the game. She's been stabbed in the back by a deranged fan whose only objective was to see Groff become number one in the world again. That changed everything. We will never know how extraordinary Monica Sellis could have been. To both women's credit, they managed to, to work through it. Sellers came back, they were ranked number one for a while. The stabbing sadly really changed that dynamic in, in 93, and, and we'll never know what it quite could have been, I don't think. But I always think about that rivalry with uh, a tinge of regret and a tinge of melancholy because I feel like it was something that, uh, that could have been so much more. Great as the graf Sellers rivalry was, amid what had happened to Monica, it was also tinged with a strong sense of sadness. As it was, over the course of 11 years, these two played one another only 15 times. But all those matches were compelling, conducted with fever pitch intensity. So yes, we can think of what might have been, but perhaps it's best to be glad for what there was. For Tennis Channel, I'm Leslie Allen. Thank you, Leslie. Great job, as always. And, uh, Jim, you were dominating the men's game at the same time that, that Steffi and Monica were on top of the women's tour. What do you remember about that rivalry? I wasn't 90s? dominating. I was involved in it. But uh, <laughs> I, I remember uh, pointedly in my first year on tour going out to the U.S. Open center court. I was back for something junior-related to make sure I was in the building when Steffi won the Grand Slam, thinking I might never see that again. And so far, that's held. And uh, I got to see Monica Seles leave Yugoslavia, move her whole family to Boletari's when I was training there as like an 11 or 12-year-old and see her blossom 
And uh, they, they're just both incredible champions. And I, I, too, feel that same melancholy that Chris Clary referred to. And I think about what, what could have been, but I'm grateful for what we saw mm -hmm. from them, two amazing women and, and amazing champions. Yeah, I mean, you, you feel you feel like something was was taken from the tennis universe. And, you know, what? Uh, aside from all their accomplishments and the rivalry, uh, I've been lucky enough to uh, spend time with each of them uh, in the last year or so. And I'm just blown away by how, how classy they were as I, I was a kid watching them and how classy they still are. Just gracious from the word go with both of them all the time. You would never know that they are absolute icons of, of sport uh, if you were just uh, passing by. Just I, I, I couldn't say uh, more great things about about Steffi and Monica. Absolutely. I mean, Celis, eight majors as a teenager, obviously could have Crazy. been the greatest of all time. And I don't think Steffi is talked enough in the GOAT conversation. Hard, hard agree. Uh, the only Agreed. human, last human to, to win the Grand Slam, made it a Golden, golden Grand Slam, Slam yep. uh, at the Olympics. And other than that, there were four other years she won three of the four majors. Yep. So uh, both absolute legends. And we look forward to Leslie having another chapter of the WTA's Golden Jubilee in May. Back, though, to the action in Madrid. Couple of former Roland Garros finalists meeting for the ninth time. Dominic Team, Stefano Tsitsipas, Jim, last played each other at the 2020 ATP Finals. And Team, looking to get back to that kind of level. Yeah, and a lot's happened for Dominic Team between now and then. Lost his motivation, lost control of his wrist, and had a big surgery. And has really been fighting to get back into form. We're, we're starting to see the things we want to see for Dominic Team as fans. The forehand, the backhand, the big speeds and spins, the fight, the firepower, all that there. But Tsitsipas, he wasn't discouraged after that first set. He would rifle through the second set without missing a first serve. He would go on to make 39 first serves in a row. If that's not a record, I'd like to know what is. It was insane. And he had chances to break in the third, but somehow team gets it into a tiebreak and led 3-1. And Tsitsipas stayed in there with it. And unfortunately, team not able to keep hitting the quality of shot under pressure. That's the one missing piece for Dominic team. Well, you can see how much Stefano Tsitsipas was giving him some positive reinforcement. You're close, buddy, and that is a fact. Yeah, both guys should take some confidence from this match. Great to see team at that top form once again. How about Daniil Medvedev leading the ATP Tour in wins and titles, but only has one career win in Madrid, Andy, facing Andrea Babasori, who just beat Andy Murray for the biggest win of his life. Listen, the Slim Shady, he wants, he, he wants some more of this Madrid. He's into the clay this year. I'll tell you that much right now. But uh, constructing points a lot better. Doesn't feel like he's trying to force it. He's more patient on clay than I've seen him before. Uh, I love it. When, I mean, this guy's six foot seven, Jim. He's not feel, supposed to be able to cover from the Rolex sign in the back and then run down a drop volley. Uh, absolutely ridiculous uh, how the movement is transforming. I mean, look at the ground that he's covering here. It is absolutely absurd to be that tall and be able to cover that amount of ground. That is absolute psychological warfare if you are playing against Daniil Medvedev and taking his time, moving the ball around the court, distributes the ball corner to corner, not in a rush. Four and three with a real Slim Shady. Please stand up. <laughs> slim Reaper. Snap into a Slim Jim. Daniil Medvedev, yeah. win number 32 of the year. How about Felix Ojealiasim playing his first clay court match of the year against Dusan Lajevic, who's already been a clay court king this season, coming off the title in Bosnia, where he beat Djokovic and Rublev. Jim. Yeah, and, and you would see that play out here. Lajevic rolling with the confidence early. His backhand down the line. What a thing of beauty that is. Ojealiasim 
Missed Monte Carlo and, and a couple others with a knee problem following Miami. So trying to get his clay court season in gear. This was the wrong matchup for him. Lajovic was there. He was ready for it. But it was not going to be easy. Into a third set tiebreak they would go. A second serve faltered there. A double fault handing the double mini break to Lajovic. And he'd be able to ride that thing out. I mean, Dusan, I, I admire him on a lot of levels. He spoke openly about his need for a little bit of help in the, in the mental department, and he's gone to a therapist and says it's really transformed his life, not just his tennis. So at the, the advanced age, well into his 30s, Lajovic really playing some of his best tennis ever. Ball don't Lajovic, third top 10 win in nine days. <laughs> now seven wins in a row, perfect 3-0 and in his career against FAA. Taking a look at the draw, Lajovic against Struff, and then how about Francis Tiapo got a big opportunity. Sarundolo upset by his fellow Argentine. Time now for the social net, and there was big news announced this week. ATP says it's going to use electronic line calling across all events on all surfaces starting in 2025. We've already seen it on the main court in Madrid. Obviously, the big news is that it's going to be used on clay, Jim. What do you think about this? Yeah, it's only 35 years late for me. I would have loved this. I love the fact that it's now completely going to be about whether the players make the shots or miss the shots. Listen, I, I am pouring one out for all the lines people around the world who have given their best, and, the, and they love tennis. They're passionate about it. They travel around. They don't get paid a lot of money. They're a part of the circus, and it's going to be tough for them. So I, I understand the human element of this, but from a pure competitor standpoint, I absolutely love it. Yeah, it's, it's going to save us these awkward interactions that we're looking at now where you could be looking at the exact same thing and read it completely differently. And there was nothing more frustrating as a player where you were sure you were seeing something correctly and someone trots down and says, no, 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 no. At least we don't have to deal with that anymore. But like Jim said, you, you, you hate to see uh, people who are passionate about tennis kind of uh, be the, the victim of, uh, of innovation. But it, innovation doesn't stop. If you can get 100% of the calls right, why not do it? I will say, I, on clay, there's going to be players that are still like, I see it in or I see I, it out. I, I, hear, hear this. Roland Garros will resist this. They do have a, a real long history and connectivity with their lines people, and I believe that they will be the last to fall, not Wimbledon. That's my feeling. We'll see the way it plays out, but I'm not, I would not be surprised in 2025 if Roland Garros is defiant and the lines people have one last hurrah there. Huh? We shall see. Yeah. But uh, technology, as Andy said, uh, just keeps moving on. And so do we. we got a big Sunday schedule for you. Our coverage begins at 5 a.m. Eastern once again. we got you covered on Valley Sports and T2, 8 a.m. Eastern. We're back for TC Live to wrap it all up. And as always, all night long from Madrid. Back with more after this. All right, it's that time. Hot shot of the day. The legend of Ben Shelton continues to grow, Jim. Creativity, thy name is Ben Shelton. I have never seen a player make this shot, and we have to see it zoomed in. Look at how he hits this shot backwards. I'm not even sure that's physically possible, Andy. How did he do that? I don't know. I would have fallen over had I tried this. I didn't know what happened. Like you said, we needed to zoom in because here, I'm like, did he hit that? Wait, did he hit that with the other side of his racket? He did hit that with the other side of his racket. This is, this is absurd. Yeah, just phenomenal. Shelton would not go on to win this match. Struff is so good on the clay. Got him in three sets. But Shelton moving well and gets the creativity that may end up being the most interesting shot of the season. That could, that could be shot of the year right there. Uh, ben Shelton. 
What a legend. All right, take a look at our schedule on Sunday. Big matchups. Jesse Pagula back in action. The world number one, Iga Sviantec, taking on Bernarda Pera. Gregor Dimitrov against Carlos Alcaraz. And Holger Runa, today's his birthday. Tomorrow he plays. Let's head back to the Magic Box for a preview with Danny and Prakash. Steve, back at our FanDuel desk. P. Marie Boskova has had Jesse Bagula's number in the past. Do you think the American can get it done? Yeah, there's, there's something about the matchup. E even the one time Jesse got the win at the U.S. Open, it was 7-6 in the third. So there, there definitely is something there. But I just think Jesse's a different player. She's playing such consistent tennis. She's such a tough out. And I love her in this altitude. I think it gives her a little bit more juice on the groundies, a little bit more juice on the serve. Might be a close affair, but I definitely expect the American to come through. One thing's for sure, it's going to be Sunday fun day here in Madrid. Always Sunday fun day with Danny and Prakash. And, and with Jesse, she always makes the quarterfinals, so she has to win that match. Uh, let's look ahead to Carlos Alcaraz and Grigor Dimitrov. Andy, uh, how can Dimitrov challenge Alcaraz in this one? Well, he's going to have to switch directions from uncomfortable positions. If, if Alcaraz is throwing haymakers from the baseline up and away on, on Dimitrov's backhand side, it is, uh, that's not the, the, the pattern that Dimitrov uh, needs to see. I'm curious to see where his court positioning is. Uh, Alcaraz, uh, old Chucky Chuckster, goes big kick on the ad side up and away to uh, Grigor's backhand. I'm curious whether he's going to take it early or move back. Uh, I don't think either is a great option. Um, Alcaraz did a great job uh, getting out of trouble in that first round. I expect to see him in full flight. All right. Well, uh, today is Holger Runa's birthday. It he is. turns 20. He's no longer a teenager. Next Friday, it's going to be the big birthday for Carlos Alcaraz. And they had a nice little celebration for him in yeah, Madrid today. Little, Take a look at this. A little sparkler with your chocolate cake. Not too shabby. Runa also survived a tough opening round match. He had the scare in the finals last week in Munich. A title he was able to defend, but got to be feeling good. And he's got a chance to play the, the Samurai Spaniard, Davidovich Fokina, tomorrow. That'll be nice. A little home cooking for uh, Davidovich, but uh, Runa has got a lot of momentum. I like the youngster. So what are the keys to that matchup? Well, look, I, I think the keys basically is Davidovich Fokina needs to try and wrestle control of Runa because Holger's so strong, his backhand is so lethal, and now his forehand this year has become the weapon that he was missing last year where there was uncertainty in it. His second serve is a beast. Look, I think you have to get on top of Runa as much as possible. Maybe he has an off day. Maybe the ball's flying in the altitude and you get some unforced errors. But I think he is becoming a tough competitor that you got to take the, take it away from. So, uh, folk, he's got to bring it tomorrow. We've seen it on the clay before from him. But for Holger Runa, well, what's the one thing you'll be looking at, Andy? Well, he played that off forehand where he was able to create space so well in Monte Carlo and against a guy who's not the tallest uh, person on tour, that kind of layoff reset uh, ball that Runa has that goes up the line, gets up on someone's backhand. Uh, if he has direction on that, he gets the pattern that he wants uh, more often than not. Let's see if he's landing that one early. Big birthday, April 29th. Holger Runa. Andre Agassi, Mir Andreeva, Mike and Bob Bryant. The Bryan Bros. Bryan Bryan Brothers. The Bros. Happy birthday to them. Andy, uh, you get the day off tomorrow. We will see you back here on Tuesday, right? I cannot wait to see you. I, I'm going to rush back. All right. Ship us some, uh, some yellowtail and miso cod, if you would be so kind. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Jim's back tomorrow. Thanks, everybody, for watching TC Live.